Hello, and welcome to Tailwinds, the podcast for air and space operations review. I'm Dr. Laura Thurston Goodrow, and today we are joined by Dr. Adam Lowther and Dr. Mahabub Siddiqui to discuss their article, Combat Drones in Ukraine, published in our winter 2022 issue. Dr. Lowther is the Director of Strategic Deterrence Programs at the National Strategic Research Institute. He is the author or editor of a number of books and articles on deterrence, Chinese strategy, and the impact of technology in war. He spent more than two decades with the Department of Defense in uniform and as a civil servant. Dr. Siddiqui is an instructor of robotics and autonomous systems at the Army Management Staff College. Prior to joining the Staff College, he was Assistant Professor of Electrical Engineering at the Department of Computer Science and Electrical Engineering in the School of Computing and Engineering at University of Missouri, Kansas City. Dr. Siddiqui's research interests lie in the areas of nano and quantum tech, robotic and autonomous systems, green energy and power, and their implications for geopolitics. Adam and Mahabub, welcome to Tailwinds. Uh, thanks for having us. Thank you very much, Laura. So to start, I kind of want to first ask about your general interest in the subject of drones, considering your your various backgrounds, the subject and the interest of your article. Well, Maboob was the the father of this article. It was <laughs> he and I used to teach a course on multi-domain operations that we taught with there was four or five of us that taught this course at, at the Army Management Staff College. And so Maboob was our robotics and drones. And so he was really sort of the father of the article. And then, you know, we began to collaborate as we thought about, you know, I spent a lot of time focused on the Russians, particularly with nuclear weapons. But yeah, Maboob started it off and then we just began to collaborate. Yeah, so so thank you, Adam, and uh, thank you, Laura. Actually, um, when uh, we were involved in teaching EMDU courses, and I was responsible for drones and autonomous system, uh, at the same time, we have observed what's going on all over the world, and uh, particularly this Russian invasion of Ukraine really uh, made us very interested in this area and uh, the use of drones. So I have pointed out several reasons that is quite interesting to focus on drone. And that was actually the reason that uh, we come up with the idea to write this article. So these are, for example, the failure of Russian offensive in the very first phase of its invasion of Ukraine, number one. The significant uses of drone in recent warfare, we can say drones have been the face of modern warfares. And third point is the historical use of drones in the past conflicts. Also, drones have added, you know, cost-benefit ratio in combats. And in fact, drone has not only been popular in warfare, but they have been quite popular in many other areas too. So I'd like to go a little bit more detail in this area. So we have seen how Russia failed spectacularly in the very first few days of its invasion of Ukraine. At the beginning of the Russian offensive, we all thought that within three days, Kyiv will fall, but that didn't happen. So why that didn't happen? The famous TB2 drones supplied by Turkey. So Turkey's military advisors, as well as Ukrainian soldiers, they were using this drone to attack Russian supply lines, which was close to 40 miles long. And uh, what happened is this TB2 drones basically decimated those supply lines and Russian soldiers. So Russia actually lost a lot of manpower, uh, fighting vehicles within the very first phase of, of its invasion. And uh, also, 
some ordinary Ukrainians started using DJI type drones, the DJI drones, it's a Chinese made drones. So they started converting these drones into some sort of lethal weapons, like adding some features that can help this drone to throw even grenades on Russian invaders. So that's number one. Number two, I would say the significant use of drones in recent warfare. For example, drones were used in Syrian and Libyan civil wars. We have also seen heavy use of drone in Armenia and Azerbaijan over Nagorno-Karabakh conflicts. And these drones were supplied not by the traditional superpowers, but by a small power like Turkey. So Turkey was supplying drones to Azerbaijan, Israeli drones were also used by Azerbaijan to confront Armenian soldiers, and we, we saw the result. In Libya, we have also seen the use of drones by Turkish-supported uh, national unity government against the strongman Khalifa Haftar. So this shows us that drones have been kind of phase of modern warfare. And historically, also drones have been used in other you know conflict like probably many of us might not be aware that drones were developed around world war one but at the time those are not used so i would say these things have inspired us to come up with uh, ideas to write this article i don't know if adam has any other idea to add yeah i mean it's interesting because the ukraine has been the most observed example. So Mabu mentioned a few other recent conflicts in which we've drones have been used, but we haven't really seen that use in the press and in popular venues in the way that we've seen their use in in Ukraine. In the American memory over the last 20 years, drones have been, you know, instrumental in, you know, the war on terror in having our high-end, you know, large uh, drones, the Reapers and the Preds that, that were able to loiter. We were able to verify intelligence and then we were able to strike, you know, high-value targets. Ten years ago, under previous administration, drones sort of gave the administration some a barrier, a buffer to do things that they couldn't otherwise do. Right. Or, yeah. you know, um, right. The, eth the ethics and discussions of that have continued, but... Um, there was some walling, walling off. You could do ops that otherwise you would not be able to do. Yeah. All right. And with, you know, the uh, the attack that killed General Soleimani, uh, you know, the the Quds leader of the Iranian Quds force, you know, that's perhaps one of the most visible examples of drones use, being used for these sort of exquisite purposes. But as, you know, Maboub has pointed out, Ukraine is a really great example for looking at how would you use them in much larger numbers? How would you use, you know, lower end drones? How would you use them across a battlefield? Like for the Americans, whenever the CIA or the DOD have struck targets. We weren't in a large-scale conflict at the time in which the adversary had jammers. Um, they couldn't spoof signals. They they weren't in a position to do that, whereas that's what's taking place in this dynamic environment in the Ukraine where all of these things are taking place at the same time and where both sides are consistently attempting to adjust and employ drones for purposes they were never intended. And it's it's just been a really visible dynamic environment to see the role of drones. Thank you, Adam, for you know highlighting those issues. You know, the 
People can read the article. You both presented some really good order of battle information for both Ukraine and Russia. And I'd leave it to readers to um, look at that article in terms of the details. Um, But I think it's more uh, relevant and interesting to jump to efficacy for both sides, both in terms of their impacts on the battlefield and then politically also, or when it comes to information operations and things like that. Yeah, so of course, I mean, drone actually left a significant impact, not only on the battlefield, also in information wars too. So initially, we have seen the use of TB2 drone. It not only boosted the confidence of Ukrainian soldiers, but it also destroyed the confidence of Russian Russian invaders. And um, later on, you know, in this conflict, some other drones have been used too, right? In the middle of this battle, Ukraine added its own drone and uh, U.S. supplied uh, some of the latest drones. So all of them, I would say, have a tremendous impact on the battlefield. And uh, both sides actually have used drones to the extent that drone can be said definitely as a game changer. If we if we don't say, you know, game winner technology, but definitely it's a game changer. Like recently when Russia used up its own drones, it started importing Iranian drones. And the main target of using these Iranian drones is to destroy Ukraine's infrastructure, to send it back to a few decades. So at this phase, Ukraine started feeling kind of helpless because they don't have the latest anti-drone technologies. So overall, we have seen over the time the efficacy of using these drones by both sides. I don't know if Adam want to add something here. Yeah, I think one of the really the important things for, you know, for your listeners and for American airmen is we're, I would sit that we are at a point that is similar in time to World War II in regards to air power. So if you think to Duet and what he said about air power and strategic bombing and what it would accomplish, you know, he said that before World War II, then we implemented essentially his approach and then the war ended and then we conduct the strategic bombing survey and we find out that it what Duet said is not exactly how things happen. And so we're we're at a time in which we can really see the efficacy of drones on a battlefield and where they succeed and where they fail. And when this war is over and we have the time to look back on it and essentially do, you know, the drone survey and see how they how they were employed and useful on the battlefield, then we can say, Okay, well, well, here's how to employ them. Here's their utility. Here's their strengths. Here's their weaknesses. And it's so it's a great opportunity to much like the strategic bombing survey to figure out how you employ this technology and whether it's the panacea some may see or whether it isn't. And and I will su- suspect at some point when there's a large scale cyber war or a large scale space war that we'll have those same moments with in those domains. Uh, but until then, we're you know it's a lot of speculation and sort of guesswork. But you know Ukraine is really important for for that sort of purpose. So I'd like to add here one more point. The psychological psychological impact of drone warfare. So 
what happened is if we uh, take an example of kamikaze drones supplied by Israel uh, to Azerbaijan, so those drones were creating some sort of noise that actually scared the armies, like Armenian soldiers. So not only civilians, even it had kind of bad psychological impact among the soldiers. And that tactics have been also used in Ukraine too. So drones are now uh, have appeared as versatile warfighting tools in, in many different forms. Well, I was just going to say they're difficult. You know, they're so difficult. If you think about them compared to, let's say, a uh, an artillery projectile, you sort of know the ballistics of artillery projectiles. And, you, you know, you get in a trench because Ukraine has devolved into trench warfare and you get in a trench, you know the direction they're coming and you can sort of protect yourselves. And part going back to part of Maboob's point about the psychology of drones is that drones have, because of their maneuverability and, you know, there's, there's some, there's a video from uh, one of the organizations that opposes the unit combat drones of, and it's a really well done video of these small drones that are, you know, the size of a bird and they swarm and they go to a building, they blow a hole in the building, then they swarm into the building and they kill everybody in the building. And because they have a little camera and then they have a little explosive charge and they go at the, you know, individual's heads and then they detonate and blow their heads off. And so it's, uh, it does like Maboob said, it creates a psychological effect for, I mean, if you think Russian or Ukrainian soldiers, where they have to have in their minds that these drones have the ability to maneuver in such a way that unlike an artillery shell, they cannot be protected and that they can fly down in these DGI drones with Molotov cocktails and grenades can fly down into the trenches and look for them and then, re, you know, release their munition. And that offers, you know, a, a a psychological effect that other weapons we've thus far had can't. There's also, there's something to be said about the psychology of knowing that's what, that what's coming at you. If you're a civilian, there's no human readily behind that. So all of a sudden there's no moral, I mean, there is, but psychologically you're being attacked by not another human. Right. That can think. So I just find that, yeah, sort of uh, scary and interesting. Yeah. Correct. And for, for, um, for airmen, you know, it's, it's this question of, and there, you know, Caitlin Lee, who's at the Mitchell Institute had this article that came out maybe yesterday or the day before that makes this argument of how, you know, looks at specifically Taiwan and the role that drones may play. And for me, I'm interested in the role that drones may play in the, you know, the nuclear realm are, you know, for example, North Korea, China, and Russia all have road mobile systems and road mobile systems are really hard to target. Well, can, can drones be used to find and target and disable those road mobile systems or for the missileer or for the Cops in the missile field, can drones be used to disable uh, launch facilities or launch control centers such that we can't use our ICBM force? Or can they be flown over the fence at Barksdale or Minot or Whiteman to, you know, punch a hole? They just got to go up to the aircraft, land on its wing, detonate and punch a hole in the wing to disable those aircraft. And these are real problems that we actually have to think about and we have to face today. So it's just it's not just their use on a battlefield in a conventional sense, but the ability to think 
very broadly about how they might be used to enable an adversary who might not have equivalent capability, but they've got some drones. Correct. So recently, for example, I think yesterday or yesterday, some Ukrainian drones got really very close to Moscow and it was creating a lot of panic among the Russians. That's what's going on. So it doesn't need to blow up a big facility. It just needs to go and show that it is there. And it is creating a heavy psychological effect among you know the invaders or you know whoever like big power is trying to capture a country like Ukraine within a very short period of time. So those things are having a tremendous impact, you know, in, in warfare. And I think to your point on that, there's a second order effect to that too. So, you know, what are the downsides to Ukraine doing that? in terms of support among the Russian population. If you can keep the war in Ukraine, you can tell Russian population, hey, your soldiers are dying. But the minute you start to threaten Russians, what does that do? Does that make them supportive of the war? And it's it's complex, of course. Yeah. And many of these lessons are ones where, you know, if you read a lot of the the writing right now, we're in a period of, of sort of speculation because we, we can see real effects on a battlefield that are achieved, but these larger effects on, you know, like we talk about morale, psychology, uh, the home front, uh, these other things, we're not quite sure exactly what those implications are. And then it's it's also about the trade-offs. So for the United States, we have the best high-end air force in the world. And so now you got to think, well, geez, do we buy fewer F-35s or do we stay at the high end? Do we go medium and low or or high? And And that sort of balance is perhaps where the biggest challenges are. That's true. Thinking about DARPA's uh, ACE Air Combat Evolution Program and those broader effects. So on that, are there recommendations that you have that in your your thoughts and research on this, do you see a way that the Air Force should go with kind of its approach to drones? I mean, you, you're looking at tactical versus strategic drones, and you're looking at, you know, broader technical uh, implications for like global weapons trade, the, if Turkey's selling it's TBTs, then they're a player now. Different countries are players who weren't players before, possibly, in that trade. Uh, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about that. For example, the Shahid drone from Iran. I mean, Iran was not considered that much of a force to change kind of tide in warfare, right? It was always kind of defensive. Now, it appeared to be one of the, you know, game changer in many different fields like it it supported syria and now its military technicians and um, and so on are working in russia to support russia with its shahid drone so uh, things are becoming kind of different different in terms of uh which countries is now come up with new ideas and this Technologies are quite cheap. It doesn't take that much of materials or money to build. And that actually creates some room in international arms trade like Turkey or Iran. They appear to be contributing and, and getting quite popularity among small countries who are you know, trying to acquire those technologies or, or those drones. And, and it, it is creating kind of competition with US too. Adam, if you have something to say on that. Yeah, I mean, one of the big points to think for the U.S. industrial base is we have to think about 
our allies who will not have the ability. So as we think the Air Force, for example, thinks about the trusted wingman drone, these are very exquisite high-end drones that we would use to as force multipliers for our manned aviation. But for our, our many of our allies, partners, friends who cannot afford that, we have to think about how do we arm and equip them to counter you know, adversaries uh, in much the way that the Ukrainians have. And how how would, if we were to know in advance, for example, that this, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, what would we do with drones to better enable the Ukrainians? And then how do we apply those lessons to Taiwan? Taiwan's a great example. And it can't be the high-end exquisite solutions that we always tend to look for, but ones that are practical that are affordable, that can offer some defense in depth, and that are employable. Because one of the things, if you look at when America sells advanced fighters, F-16s, for example, and you look at the operational readiness rates of the United States versus many of our allies and friends that we sell them to, because of the complex maintenance and logistics trails that are required, they have very low operational readiness rates as compared to our F-16 force or F-15 force. And so therefore we have to build and sell capabilities that are easily maintained, that are, you know, that are much, that are for a different audience than for the U.S. Air Force. And they have to be competitive, you know, cost-wise, because I still think that the U.S. can outmatch anybody. It's just a matter of building the capabilities that can be afforded and that can be easily used and deployed without the mirror imaging of us onto our friends and partners and allies. And that'll be one of the big things to see how we we can handle this. And then, of course, drone defenses. That'll be a big area to build good capabilities where we can deliver deliver to, you know, the Taiwanese, for example, drone defenses such that they can readily defeat Russian, Iranian, Chinese, because the Chinese are, are going at this drone. Uh, they're, they're building drone capabilities that are really quite good, and they do them in a very cost-effective way such that they have considerable mass that they can throw at a potential adversary. Interesting. So and as we look at wrapping up our conversation, I'd like to give you both an opportunity to share any closing thoughts. Um, Mahabub, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. We have seen the drone success in different operations, and that's what makes them quite invaluable assets right now in warfare. And we have also seen kind of tremendous development in this area too in the last few decades. So they have become kind of common battlefield tools, you know, and the warring parties, even the terrorists or non-state actors have some sort of knowledge to use them. And we have seen that. So uh, definitely drone is going to be there and it's a new phase of warfare. It will be there. And I'm pretty sure till the end of Ukrainian warfare, drones are going to play important role. And over the years, if we add more autonomy with the drone, it is going to be quite lethal in their future. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is just that it's important for the Air Force to get this right, because if, if we don't, we'll end up living on a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. Yes. Well said. Well, I'd like to thank both of you for joining us on Tailwinds today. We appreciate your article and again, being part of our podcast. Thanks. Thank Thanks you for very, having us. Yeah, thank you very much.